All right. Well, welcome everybody to another episode of Sales Pipeline Radio. Thank you very much for joining us. I'm your host, Matt Hines. Excited to have you here. If you're watching, listening live on this Thursday afternoon, the East Coast, late morning on the West Coast, uh, thank you so much for making us part of your work day. You have an opportunity to be part of the show today. If you have a question, a comment, a rebuttal for myself or our guest today, Tiffany Bova, add that into LinkedIn or into YouTube or into Facebook, and we'll feature you in the show, bring you up on screen have some fun with it make this as interactive as we can if you are listening watching on demand appreciate all of your downloads and subscriptions and appreciate just you paying attention to what we're doing here we are on episode i think 385 of sales pipe Maria, going back several years tiffany is a repeat visitor a guest of the program so excited to have her back and if you want to listen to or watch any of those past episodes all available at salespipelineradio.com as i mentioned we got tiffany bova here today guys a multi-time author speaker I think I say you've spoken in 50 plus countries in Los Angeles today, but thank you very much for taking a few minutes to, to join us today. Oh, there's no place I'd rather be. Love talking to the sales audience. So I'm looking forward to it. Well, what I love about our audience is we get sales, we get marketing, and the marketers that join us are those that understand that a big part of their job is to drive revenue impact on the business. It doesn't mean that you're subservient to sales, but it means you can't buy lunch with your MQLs. You got to find some other metric that you can buy a beer with. And I was really excited when I got a copy of your new book, The Experience Mindset. So I wanted to be able to talk about that and what that means. So for the maybe four people listening who don't know who you are, can you just kind of quick give a little introduction to yourself? Sure. I'm the global growth evangelist at Salesforce. Yeah, I'm sure you've heard of us. Prior to joining Salesforce, it's been seven years now. I was a research fellow at Gartner covering sales transformation, impact of digital technology to the way brands engage with customers and a myriad of other things, but mostly sales and marketing and customer service related. Prior to that, I was actually a practicing leader. So I was an individual quota carrying sales rep selling technology. Then I took over sales leadership, then marketing, then customer success in startups as well as Fortune 500 companies. So practitioner, academic, and now doing a little bit of both here at Salesforce and two-time author. Yeah, two-time author. So you know, the other book that we had you on before, Growth IQ, highly recommend people check that out. Such a great book. And you know, kudos to Salesforce. And I know a lot of companies doing this now that are going out and saying like, we're going to find creators, we're going to find academics, we're going to find people that question the world on a daily basis, and are going to talk to our customers, talk to the market, continue to just like provide insights on a lot of that. And so I know through your thought leadership, your what's next podcast, which I recommend as well, lots of ways to sort of get what you are consuming and then filtering into things that are super valuable for people. I know the variety of stuff you're thinking about and writing about and speaking about on your podcast. Why experience mindset? Why did that topic kind of emerge as your sort of pick for the next book? I had no plan on writing a second book. The first book was <laughs> hard enough for me. Like, look, I'm a classic seller, right? Like I get revved up by deals and challenges and solving customer problems and all of those things. I no longer sell and carry a quota. So I get to vicariously sell and market and do, you know, customer service, customer success through all of you. But Growth IQ was a way for me to take my 10 to 12 years of being a practicing individual contributor and leader, 10 years of advising the largest 50 technology companies in the world on how to be better in their go-to-market strategies and put it into a book, a way for me to say, if I were to give my top 10 tips, right, what would it be? And that really was Growth IQ. My very first growth path there was customer experience. 
And the book, let's just say I'm rounding numbers is 60,000 words. I probably spent a hundred talking about employee. So it was a big miss for me actually in growth IQ. So fast forward, I joined Salesforce and really I have a front row seat into the power of people and culture on the ability for company that, you know, this particular one, right. To innovate faster, be highly resilient, very responsive, and then grow. And because of the space we play in, it's a great way for me to then see a front row seat or what are the challenges that sailors and marketers and customer success leaders are actually facing. And it led me to a statement I made that I didn't think it was a coincidence that Salesforce is a great place to work. One of the most innovative companies in the world and the fastest growing enterprise software company. Could I prove it? Could I prove that the people side of that allowed us to innovate and grow faster than, than others? So I went to our prior CMO and she said, sure, let's do it. And so we did it. And then it ended up being three research projects over the course of two years. And it was such rich, uh, comprehensive set of insights that I was like, uh-oh, I think I have to write a second book. And so here you go. The Experience Mindset was born. So Experience Mindset's the new book. It's only a couple of weeks out. Definitely get your copy of that. It's a topic that I think on the surface is like sort of this no duh, right? It's like it, you want to create a good experience for your employees. The majority of employees say that they'd work harder if they were better appreciated. The majority of employees say they just want to be treated better. And the majority of HR managers say legit, we're trying to do that. So like there's something that's not connecting here. I assume that there are some companies that really aren't focused on that. And they may not mean companies you want to work for, but for the well-meaning companies that want to create that experience. What's missing? Where's the gap? You know, listen, I, I was very early in this thing called the World Wide Web. I sold my very <laughs> first domain name in 1996. I purchased my first one in 1997. I was running a sales marketing and customer service division of a web hosting and domain company that was doing commerce online 2000 to 2004. I was a Loqua's beta client. I was mm -hmm. constant contacts beta client. So I have watched the explosion of the marketing technology stack as someone who used it and then advised around it. And now obviously I work here. And so I can tell you that we do not have a technology problem. Mm -hmm. There is no shortage. Back then in 2000, there was a half a dozen marketing technologies out there Really, I was using, in some cases, a single user version of ACT or Goldmine. Some of you may not even know what that is. And this software as a service option, Salesforce was a couple years old at that time. Mm -hmm. So now there are some 10,000 marketing technologies that are tracked by the analyst community, which would then lead me to believe, well, gosh, if there's that many, we should be doing such a better job on selling. But yet 54% of sellers are going to miss quota. Only 28% of their time is spent selling. And we have no shortage of how many tools that a seller needs to go to to do their job. And so specifically in this comment, the experience of the seller, has it gotten any better because of all the advancements of technology? Or right. has it gotten more complicated? And so right. the experience mindset was really this way to say we've over pivoted to taking care of all the needs and increasing expectations of customers at the expense of our employees. And I'll give one example to that. We would never, ever ask our customers to have five tabs open and have to hop between nine applications to place an order with us. Yet we do that for our, our employees, our salespeople, yeah. our customer success leaders. So the experience mindset is about really trying to balance more intentionally the efforts you put towards your customers as you do towards your employees. 
So literally right before we recorded this, I was on a call with a prospect and we were talking about sales teams making phone calls. And we can have a whole nother topic about why focusing on more phone calls is probably not a great idea. Right. He's like, I just can't figure out how to get more activity out of my sales team. And I said, well, you, you know what tasks you're asking them to do. You know what steps you're asking them to do between calls. He said, kind of pulling it out. I said, do you know how much time that takes? If you're a sales leader or even a marketing leader, if you're responsible for sales enablement somewhere and you haven't literally sat and watched your sales reps work. I mean, you could do it remotely, have them share their screen and have them just like finish a call or an email or something. And then all the different things you ask them to do across multiple platforms. It's so easy for us when we're not selling to not see that. And yet your reps are struggling, if not suffering based on that experience. And so some of this is just awareness, right? Like when you, when you finally get someone to sit down and watch how someone actually has to sell and like manage their yeah. day, it's like, holy crap, this is terrible. I would never do this. We have to fix this. Is it that easy? I mean, is the first step just being aware of the problem? Yeah. This research was not just around sales. This was all up right. from employee, right? We're, right? I'm just angling it towards sales and marketing. Yeah. But a few things. We asked the employees and we asked the C-suite. This was a global study, multiple size and industry organizations. What are the challenges for company success? Mm -hmm. Tied for number one from employees was teammates and colleagues leave too often. Mm -hmm. So it's disruptive, right? Yeah. Like, Hey, we were on a project that was my go-to person and boom, they're gone. And so it's not just the expensive backfilling. It's also the state it leaves those left behind in. Right. So that was one yeah. of the tied for one. The second yeah. tied for one was outdated technology. On the C-suite side, that outdated tech was number six. It was the largest gap mm -hmm. between mm -hmm. what the C-suite and the employees thought. The double click underneath that was 52% of the C-suite believed that the technology that was deployed and that their employees were using was working effectively, mm -hmm. which means if you're quick at math, 48% uh, believe it isn't for another day. 32% mm -hmm. of the blended employee base agrees that the technology they're using is working effectively. So now we've got a 20% gap between C-suite and general employees. The killer on it was only 20% of customer facing employees agree that the yeah. technology they're using allows them to collaborate, be more effective and more productive. So that stat alone, when companies are trying to grow, if your customer facing employees are struggling with the technology, but it's not just that. It was outdated processes. It was silos between teams. It was lack of data. It was lack of access to data, right? It was training and enablement. People are starving for you to help them be more successful in what they do. And those that are touching customers on a daily basis and have an interaction with a customer is really the audience that the book was targeting. I'm not targeting all things about HR. Look, I am not a people expert or a culture expert. It's not my lane. So I'm looking at the moment that matters when an employee touches a customer and do they have what they need in order to deliver that amazing, compelling experience the executives have promised out to the street when those employees are actually the keepers of those promises, right? They're the ones that deliver upon that promise. Like we're going to be the easiest to do business with. Okay. But you've just made me jump through nine hoops to deliver that experience to the customer. They had one click. I had nine. Talking today on Sales Pipeline Radio with Tiffany Bova. She is the author of the new book, The Experience Mindset. As Preston commented just now on LinkedIn, like how are organizations not adopting this already? 
How indeed, right? I think some people may not be aware that there's that big of a gap. The data you just shared, is pretty startling. It tells me you've got executives who are deciding where to deploy resources and budget don't think this is a problem. If they think this is a problem, then there's got to be resources and budget put in to try to solve for this. All of a sudden that costs money. Okay, where is that money going to come from? But if you don't invest in this, I think start to think about very quickly and easily the cascading impact that has on morale, on retention, on the way your employees are treating customers. It reminds me a little bit of some data I saw is a couple of years ago from CEB, which no longer exists, talking about how complex it is for customers to buy and how sellers talked about just how hard it was for them to sell, navigating their own internal experience, not just with tech, but their internal legal, their internal procurement. And so this problem just keeps getting harder as buying cycles get longer, as customer relationships get more complex, as you have this buying committee, as well as a user committee that you're trying to engage as well. I'm curious, given that the book just came out, I'm assuming like a lot of your research was during or post pandemic and like how does remote and hybrid work impact or further complicate delivering a better experience, especially for employees? I'm going to answer Preston's question and why are they not doing it? When we first got started to get the research back, I was sharing it remotely, as you mentioned, just because of the timing of it. And I probably did a hundred roundtables around the globe with executives that were in human resources, revenue or sales, marketing, Mm -hmm. IT, customer experience. So you might have chief customer officers. The only one really missing in any real number was probably the CFO. And I heard the same thing. If it's so obvious, why isn't everyone doing it? This is no new concept. Happy employee, happy customer, get those two right. You get greater growth rates. But when we went out and looked across the market, we had not found anybody who had proven the connection between the two. We see a lot of research around if you get CX right, you're going to get this kind of lift. If you get employee stuff right, you're going to see this kind of lift. But And and that sort of loose directional comment like, well, if your employees are happy, your customers are going to be happier. And we see these things. But we didn't see the direct correlation, nor did we see causation. So part of it is we found no one owns employee experience. Now, this is not about creating a new role. I was part of the team in 2008 that advocated for the fact that the chief marketing officer get a seat at the C-suite table and really drive and lead customer experience when I was at Gartner. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not advocating for that in this case. That's why it is actually called the experience mindset. It's Mm -hmm. an intentional operating philosophy to say, if we do something for one, we understand the intended or unintended consequences to the other. So I think part of it is They're not adopting it because there's no maturity similar to what we have in CX. Mm -hmm. Net promoter scores, we can tell that when we see a lift in NPS, we see a correlating revenue. But on the employee side, it tends to be, are they satisfied? Are they attriting? (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. what does our Mm -hmm. pipeline look like of our employees? But we're not doing the same things to them. So the other is, not only does not someone not own it, but two, we're surveying our employees pretty consistently, you know, once, twice a year. During the pandemic, it was much more, maybe you do it quarterly. The majority is not doing anything with the data they collect. Mm -hmm. Part of the reason they're not doing it is because they don't know where they have these opportunities. They're not looking for these gaps between what the C-suite thinks is happening and employees. It is a lot about internal inertia, status quoism. Oh, oh, we're growing, so don't disrupt the apple cart. What we're doing is working. You know, that kind of mindset holds you back from really starting to uncover why are you having these issues in your organization and how and where could you make it better, especially for those that are working and engaging with your customers on a daily basis. 
Well, and there's a famous interaction in Mad Men, right? Where between Don Draper and the copywriters, where she's like, she says she wants to be appreciated. And he says, that's what the money is for, right? And so like, I give you a paycheck. I pay you twice a month. Like then I expect you to do the hard work. And I think that anyone wants to feel respected. Anyone wants to be seen, thought of as like, okay, this, this company respects and honors me and recognizes the work I'm doing. Recognition is free right? It's a limitless resource. And sometimes that's all it takes. One of the quotes from your book that I loved is that in the, the Allstate CEO talks about treating employees as customers, not as something you take for granted, not as something that's transactional and they pay you not in dollars, but in hard work. Like people I mean, are willing so to It's so basic, right? It's just so basic. Yeah. But your point about no one really owning that, I think some people may default to say, well, HR owns that, right? It's like, no, not really. I mean, it's a whole different set of things that HR traditionally has been focused on. And yet, if you think about customer experience is a thing, employee experience, very similar thing. And you think about the opportunity cost of not doing that gets pretty scary. Yeah. And look, you mentioned it, recognition. We found five key elements within the employee experience that has the greatest impact on customer. It was trust, C-suite accountability, alignment, recognition, which you just said, Matt, and seamless technology. Do you trust me? Do I trust you? You know, when we all got sent home, and some people had installed onto their desktops or laptops keystroke tracking software, and you had to leave your camera on during office hours. That is not building trust. C-suite accountability is your C-suite doing what they say and saying what they do. You know, is there a seat at the table around discussions around some of the things we're talking about? Alignment, meaning like the values of the company aligned to the people who work there and vice versa, that you don't have people doing things that are unlike it. And then recognition, like it's not just about compensation right? It's about, do I get a promotion? Did I get a pat on the back? Did I get employee of the month? That goes a long way for yeah. morale and all kinds of things. And then the last seamless tech, which we talked about, has huge impact on the amount of effort an employee has to put forth to do their job and also their satisfaction. So trust, C-suite accountability, alignment, which I also put as values, recognition and seamless technology. It'd be really interesting if you're listening to this, how would you rate where you are honestly on this? How is your executive team rank where they are honestly on this? How would employees rank you on these? Could give you sort of a stack rank opportunity to say, hey, we can't boil the ocean, but like, where can you start making improvements? Where can you start making this a bigger priority for your organization, part of your real culture moving forward? And there's no better way to get started on that than reading The Experience Mindset, new book by Tiffany Bova. I know we're out of time and you're super busy. Thank you so much, Tiffany, for being here and joining us, giving us a little bit of time. TiffanyBova.com is usually where I go to get your content, to get your podcast. The book's available wherever smart books are sold. Where else could people learn a little more about you? I'm pretty active on social. I have no more connections left on LinkedIn, but you can follow me. I'm also active on Twitter at Tiffany underscore Bova, Instagram, Facebook, a YouTube channel, and then my podcast, What's Next with Tiffany Bova. So thanks yeah, for having if, me, Matt. If anyone from LinkedIn is listening to this, the 30,000 connection, I know it seems like a lot to some people, but like Tiffany's got to have a higher limit than that, right? <laughs> it just doesn't seem fair. So anyway, thank well, you, you know, I, I was early for me. And so the problem yeah. is, is like it's 2006 or something. But initially, yeah. you're like, I want to connect with everybody. Then you make a decision at some point. I'm only going to connect with people who, I'm at, who maybe I actually know or there's a yeah. reason to connect. And then there was not very many left now yes. when I got to that maybe 10 years ago. Yeah, this is correct. Yeah, this problem. Anyway, thank you so much again for doing this. Thank you, everyone. I'm on vacation next two weeks. We're going to take a little hiatus from Sales Pipeline. We'll be back in July. New guests, new topics. Thanks again for watching and listening. We'll see you next time. Take care.